I was driving back home from, from uh, the office here at, at the church a, a few weeks ago for lunch. As I'm driving down Church Street, I see two guys talking on the front porch of a, of a house. Uh, and just as I pass them, I, all of a sudden I see one of the guys start waving his hands and going, Hey! Hey! I'm thinking, what the, what, what's going on? Like, did he need a ride? Like, this is a weird time in my passing by him for him to wave me down for a ride. I mean, did he really, was he knocking on doors asking somebody if they had a truck he could borrow? It's just didn't make any sense to me. So I continue to drive on home, late for lunch, pull in the driveway. I get out of my truck, and I'm walking around to go up the stairs into our house, and I notice hanging back behind my truck is this eight-foot-long branch. As I had backed out of the parking lot over here, the neighbors across the street had piled up a bunch of lawn debris, and my hitch caught on one of those branches, and I was dragging it all around town. You see, this guy was trying to warn me. He wanted me to know that something's wrong. Something's, you're, you're going to hurt somebody, potentially, if you don't stop what you're doing. But guess what? I, I didn't get the warning. It didn't register. I'm just thinking, what is he talking about? I had no concerns. I knew nothing was wrong. We're going through the book of Second Peter uh, together. And Peter is trying to warn churches about false teachers and false teaching. Uh, and as he's contemplating his death, as he's contemplating the fact that he is getting ready to die, he wants to make sure that these churches are well aware of and are warned clearly about the danger that false teaching poses and the danger that false teachers pose to them, to the church, and to the glory of Christ. And unlike this guy who waved and yelled at me just once or twice, Peter is emphasizing in this letter. And remember what he told us uh, several uh, weeks ago as we looked in. That he's writing this letter to these churches so that they would constantly be reminded that the positive encouragement to pursue and follow Jesus and these strong, strong, specific warnings about false teachers and their false teaching is that people would listen to them, that they would heed these warnings and be a, beware of false teachers and their false teaching. Uh, so uh, this morning we're going to continue during this major portion of warning. Peter began to warn us last week, we saw. Here he's getting in it again. And we want to look at, at, at two, two aspects of, of this warning. That we need to beware of false teachers, and we need to beware of their false teaching. So if you would, follow along with me. We're going to be in chapter 2 of 2 Peter. We're going to be looking at verses 10 through 22, so through the, the end of this chapter. If you're following along in one of the black Bibles there in your seats, this is on page 1019. So please follow along with me in your copy of God's Word. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Whereas angels, though greater in might and power, 
Do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction. Suffering wrong is the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These are waterless springs and mist driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person to that, he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness, then after knowing it, to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit. And the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you care enough about us, your people, uh, that you would reveal yourself uh, specifically and specially in your word. Uh, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have continued uh, to provide uh, your word to the people of God and to work through it. And we ask this morning that you would, you would do that. Uh, show us more our need for Jesus. Show us more the truths of the scriptures, that we would hope and rest in Jesus that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. So the first thing we want to look at and see in this passage is how Peter, again, is warning, making sure the people see, warning against these false teachers. Beware of the false teachers. Uh, little alliteration, maybe to help you uh, follow along if you're keeping an outline. So in bewaring of false teachers, Peter is, uh, we're going to look at three C's. So we're going to look at how Peter points us to the character of the false teachers, how Peter points us to the condemnation of the false teachers, and how Peter warns us about the conversion of these false teachers. So first, let's look at the, the character. How Peter, in warning us about false teachers points us to the character of these that are supposedly teaching about Jesus. 
Look at verse 10, how, how they're described. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. Peter, as he's describing the, the, the character of these false teachers, he describes them as being bold and willful. They're, they're arrogant. The, the, the blaspheming that he's talking about, about these glorious ones, most likely is speaking about angels that in the past have revealed God's character and who he is to his people. And remember, we've seen they've rejected this. They've said that it hasn't come from the Lord. They're trying to move God's people away from how he has revealed himself. And Peter is saying, look at how arrogant they are to call into question and to blaspheme and slander how the ones that God has revealed himself through to his people. He, he continues to go on. Look at, look at how they're described in verse 12. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct. You see, uh, unlike God's design and his intention and his purpose for his people, to be ruled by him, to be guided and led to follow his spirit, Peter's saying, you aren't looking, they aren't looking like redeemed and restored humans. They're acting like, like creatures who are just acting out of their instincts, their passions, their longings, their desires. They're going after what they want, completely shunning and putting away God's intentions and his purposes for him. In fact, Peter begins to explain it even more. Look in verse 13. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They enjoy self-indulgent behavior, Peter says. It's not just that they're, they're participating in it and then they feel bad. No, Peter says, they celebrate it. They delight in it. They enjoy pursuing whatever they want, whenever they want, trying to fill their passions, their longings, their desires, regardless of whether it's in contradiction to God's word or how he has revealed himself. They are focused on only one thing, satisfying and bringing glory to themselves, their longings, and their desires. And notice what he says the results of it uh, become. Uh, they are blots and blemishes, he says. Blots and blemishes for, for, uh, among the people of God. Remember, we saw last week that, that the, the deceptions, as they begin to lead people astray, begin to, to bring slander upon the name of Jesus. And he's saying the way that they're living, they're not reflecting the character of Christ at all. They're focused on satisfying their own desires and delighting and celebrating sin in their lives and in their hearts. This does nothing but bring shame upon the name of Christ. Their character is being revealed. They don't reflect the character of Christ at all. In fact, they're the opposite of it. Notice as he continues to go on in verse 14, describing their character. They have eyes full of adultery. They're insatiable for sin. Uh, they, remember one of the aspects of this uh, false teaching that they bring has to do with 
casting aside God's intentions and his good designs for sex and sexuality. Their only focus is gratifying themselves. If that means lusting after other people's spouses, if that means pursuing relationships with others uh, outside of God's will, then they'll do it. Because all they want to do is satisfy themselves. So uh, much do they long for and hunger sin that they continue to pursue after it and pursue after it. And they're insatiable. They can't be satisfied and continue to go after it. Even look at how he describes their hearts in verse 14. Their hearts are trained in greed. They're not concerned about the glory of Christ. They're not concerned about what honor he can he gets or, or what cost they can lay aside for his glory and the furtherance of his kingdom. It's all about greed, what they can get, what money they can earn, what status and influence they can get among the people of God or in the community, in the world around them. And in fact, that the, the example that he gives is they're like Balaam. Look in verse, 14, in verse 15. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing. Uh, this uh, Balaam, as he refers back, this is a, a story back from Numbers that you can go back and see. Balaam was a prophet for hire. He just wanted to make money. He didn't care who he got it from. And in one instance, because he was just interested in, in, in what gain he could get, influence he could get from the, the, this king that he's working for and what kind of money he could gain from doing his, his profiting profit work. Uh, he sought to mislead the people of God so that they would follow after and pursue sexual immorality, pursue after false gods, and abandon the God who had redeemed and saved them. Peter's saying, look at these false teachers. Do you recognize and see their character? Do you see how far this is from God's intentions and his purposes? Beware of them. Beware. Flee from their presence. Do not allow them to be an influence in your life. When I was growing up, there used to be this show on, uh, on TV called America's Most Wanted. I don't know if it's still on TV or not. It may be re-released on Netflix. Everything gets re-released on there now. But uh, this uh, John Walsh, I think was the guy's name. I don't remember. Anyway, he would come on and he would highlight uh, the, the most wanted criminals that were still uh, at large in the U.S., uh, telling you about their crimes, warning you of how dangerous they were, uh, about uh, even if they, may, they put, may put on a front of being nice and kind and generous, you need to stay away from them. Because they could kill or hurt or wound you or rob you or your family or your friends. If you see them, do not try to control them or take them on yourself. Immediately call the police. Immediately call this number. They are to be avoided. Now let's say you're watching that on a Friday night. I don't recommend watching it before bed because, you know, it's dark and you may feel like these guys are looking at you. What if you see one walking down the street? You've just seen this great warning of their, of their danger, of the character that they exhibit and how they treat people and mistreat them. Would you want to run up and invite them over for dinner? Would you want to spend your afternoon in the park with these guys hanging out? Would you want to sit down and find out about their influences so that they can begin to shape and train you in how to live? No, 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 no. 
you would run. That's what Peter is saying here. I need you to see the character of these false teachers. I need you to see what is deep in their heart so that you would avoid them, so that you would run away from them, so that you would flee from them. Now, is everybody who false, who's a false teacher exhibit all of these specific characteristics? Not necessarily. At least these ones who are active in Peter's community were. But Peter would say, at, at a minimum, these character qualities should completely disqualify this type of person from being a teacher in the midst of Christ's church. Why? Do you not remember what we saw back over in in chapter 1? I want you to listen to what Peter says, uh, that Jesus, the work that he's trying to do in the hearts and lives of his people, what we've been called to, and the, 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 the way that our lives should reflect him. Listen to what he says over in chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at these false teachers, Peter says. Recognize their character. Jesus hasn't called you to this. He's called you to something more glorious, more beautiful. If you recognize this type of character in your teachers in the church or outside, those who you are seeking and following and directing your life over, who have your ear, who have your attention, who have your eyes, Peter says, run, avoid them. They are dangerous. You know why? Because if you follow them, if you listen to them, you're headed down their path. Peter wants us to know and recognize not just their character, but where they are moving. The end result of this type of life. Peter warns us to beware of their condemnation. Look in verse 12. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, Peter says. He continues to emphasize it. Look at it as he goes on. They're blaspheming about matters which they are ignorant. They will also be destroyed in their destruction. Uh, in case you missed it, Peter's using a, a Hebrew way of speech here uh, where doubling up on the, on, on the language of destroyed in their destruction. He just wants to emphasize and make it clear. This will be the result of those who reject Jesus, who speak in his name and mislead and misguide God's people. They will be destroyed. In fact, Peter says that due to their rejection, the the way that they're described is that they have been born to be caught and destroyed. He continues to go on in verse 13 as he describes their condemnation. They will suffer wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. You want to seek gain from misleading God's people? You want to seek gain from uh, wrongdoing? 
and from pursuing what you want at the expense of Christ's honor and his people, you will get paid, God says. Oh, you will get paid. Your wages will be wrongdoing that is heaped upon you. As he goes on, he tells them in verse 14, as he calls them, as their eyes are full of adultery, they're insatiable for sin, they entice unsteady souls, their hearts they have been trained for greed, accursed children. Blessing does not wait for them. Curse waits for them, Peter says. And as he goes on down in verse 17, for these are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. Why would you want to follow these guys? Look at where they are headed. Due to their character, due to their life, due to the longings in their heart and their rejection of Christ, they are headed for sure and definite condemnation. Do you want to follow them? Do you want to follow them down this path? No, Peter says. He's warning. Look out. Beware. Do not follow these kinds of teachers. In fact, Peter goes on to say, not only pointing out their character to us, pointing out their condemnation, but he calls us to, to question and doubt their conversion if they're living like this. Look in verses 20 to 22. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. On, on first reading, it may sound like uh, what Peter is saying is that they've been saved, and then due to the way that they've responded, they've lost their salvation. Jesus redeemed them, and then all of a sudden, he, he, he gave them up. Now, if, if we look at the larger context of the book, though, we would see that that isn't true. Remember what Peter told us over in, uh, in, uh, in chapter 1. That the way that God works and when he redeems and saves his people, the fruit of righteousness is a sure thing that will come. Your lives and your hearts will be changed. The righteousness that has been given you by Jesus will be demonstrated in your life. If you want to uh, be more assured of your salvation, of the deliverance, of your election, of your calling... The fact that Jesus has bought and saved and redeemed you, Peter says, then look at the evidence and the fruit in your life. That's how you know Jesus is there. Peter is saying these guys may have professed that they were followers of Jesus. They may have gotten up front in the church and said, yes, we've turned from our sin and we're hoping in Christ. They may have been baptized and for a while on the outside looked like they followed Christ. But Peter is saying the way that they are living now completely contradicts everything that they have said. It invalidates the truth of that profession. The, the language that he uses of referring to them as, as dogs that return to vomit. 
and sows that go back and wallow in the mire. Is, he's just drawing from language Jesus used. Jesus using the, the language of dogs and of pigs to describe those uh, in, in the Jewish context as he was teaching in Matthew of those who have rejected him and rejected the gospel and don't want to have anything to do with him. Peter's saying they're just revealing themselves for who they are. Those who may have walked away for their time, but they've just returned back to lap up the vomit because they've never changed. They're still dogs. They're still sows. They have rejected Christ and want to have nothing to do with him. Do you hear his warning? Do you understand and realize how important this is? Uh, for, for us as a church, remember, we're in the process now. Uh, we've nominated men for elders and deacons in our church. Those guys are going through training. And some point in the next few months, they will be put before you for election, to be elected to be leaders in our congregation. Do you, do you hear what Peter is saying? Theolo theology alone isn't just the only thing that's important. The character is important. These men that you are voting for and that you would elect, do you recognize and see the character of Jesus in them? When you're around them, do you see them moving closer and closer to Christ? Not just that. They're leading and urging and inviting you to walk more closely with Jesus as they follow him. Are they sinless? No. But when they recognize and see sin in their lives, are they quick to repent of it? Unlike these false teachers and the character that, that, uh, uh, that Peter tells us about here, who completely disregard God's purposes. They celebrate and delight in their sin. We want leaders in the context of our church that grieve over their sin. And who will pursue you in your sin and invite you to pursue and flee to Christ. Too many times in, uh, in, our, in our churches today, we've seen the rise of something called a celebrity pastor. Who It would seem, from just looking at the way that some of these guys have gone, that maybe what they're in it for is the fame, the notoriety, a following, a brand, to gain influence among a group of people in an area or a region. Or nationally, many times the fall of these guys, what ends up happening is it's a sex scandal. Following along the same character paths we see Peter warning of here. Do you see this kind of character demonstrated in the lives of the people who, who supposedly are supposed to be leading God's people? Don't follow them. If you ever leave here and are looking for another church, did you hear Peter's warning? Don't follow this kind of leader. Flee from them. It doesn't matter how big the church is. It doesn't matter how dynamic a speaker is. It doesn't matter how many books they've sold. Their character is not pointing you to Christ. Run. If that ever becomes what you see here in our congregation, don't run. Contact our presbytery. 
have me disciplined and brought to repentance and seek the restoration of this church for the glory of Jesus? Beware, beware of false teachers. But notice also, one other thing, false teaching and influence doesn't happen just in the church, does it? Many of us are learning from people outside of the church. Maybe it's on the internet, maybe it's blogs, maybe it's your friends that you hang out with in school, your buddies that you hang out with at work, or the ladies around the corner. Are they influencing you with this kind of character that urges you away from Jesus? Are you attracted and drawn to that because you want to fit in? You want their acceptance? You want to move up in your workplace? Or in your school or on your team? No, Peter says, be warned. Beware of this character. But he also warns us against the false teaching of these teachers. Here we'll look at three E's, the false teaching. Enticing, enslaving, and encouraging rebellion. Peter warns us to be aware, beware of their false teaching because it's enticing. Look in verse 14. He even uses this word. They have their eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. Even down in verse 18, he picks it up again. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. Peter's saying, you need to be aware of their teaching as well, because it'll sound good. It'll sound like something you want. It, it may be hidden in some context of describing and, and wanting to affirm the love and, and, and reaching people with, with, uh, with God. And, and, and other places, it may be enticing, because uh, unlike what you're, you're being uh, told in the context of of what you're reading in the scriptures, uh, you're finding someone who is telling you really what you want to hear. That it's okay for you to pursue that relationship outside of your marriage. That it's okay. God would not want to keep these good things from you. It's okay for you to look at what you're pursuing and looking at on the internet. Uh, it's a... It, it's okay for you to, to, to do and pursue what makes you feel happy and what makes you feel complete and what makes you feel satisfied and fulfilled. Peter says, no, they're enticing, they're luring you with what you want, with what you desire, but this is not what you need to listen to. Beware of it, he says in verse 13, because it's deceptive. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions. Uh, these deceptions, this enticement will lead to your uh, harm, to your pain. It'll not just affect you, it'll affect the community around you. Notice as he says that there'll be blots and blemishes on the church community. This past week, we had a, an invasion of ants in our house. Somebody had sent us um, uh, some really sweet candy and we set it on the counter where we normally set things. I woke up the next morning and there were ants everywhere. All in this box of candy. A trail out of the box of candy. All in our pantry. We were emptying out boxes of 
uh, of cereal and um, snack bags and all sorts of stuff. Ants are everywhere. Just trying to kill them with spray, squashing them, removing all the, all the, the stuff that they were uh, attracted to. And then I found out that the way to get them is to create this, uh, this ant bait to entice and lure them. So the way you do it is, is you use a, a bunch of sugar and warm water. You melt the sugar in the water because the ants are attracted to it. They can't resist it. They want, they're enticed, they're drawn to the sugary water. And although it may, it may smell and taste like that to them, you also put something else in it, borax, this cleaning agent, which disrupts their di digestive system. But it doesn't act instantly, it's slow. So they're able to eat it and ingest it, and it gives time for them to get back to their colony, to their community, where they take this poison and they disperse it among the rest of their group, and it completely undermines the whole colony, taking out the queen, taking out everybody, and it's gone. See what Peter's saying here? This false teaching, if you follow it, it will not just affect you. It will infect our entire congregation. It will be a blot and a blemish on our reputation and the glory of Jesus in our community. Your influence, the way that you live, will begin to mislead others in our congregation. And just as Peter told us before, will bring slander on the name of Christ to the watching world because the way that we live is supposed to represent Christ. Peter says, avoid their teaching. It may be enticing. It may be sweet. It may, they may be telling you just exactly what you want to hear, but beware of it, Peter says, because it will bring ruin to you and it will bring ruin to your entire community if it's not watched out for. But he also says it's enslaving. Look at verse 19. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever, become, whatever overcomes a person to that, he is enslaved. Peter's saying, false teaching will offer freedom. Listen and follow me. Do you want to find your full and true self? Do you want to find your real identity? Do you want to experience satisfaction and delight? Do you want to be freed up from these constraining rules that just want to keep good things from you? Come and find freedom. Come and find release. Come and find what you're really longing for. Peter says, no. Beware of this teaching. It promises freedom. It promises fullness of life, but it only leads to enslavement. It never will fulfill on what it is promising. Look even how he describes them. In verse 17, they are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. A spring is supposed to be refreshing. A spring offers the promise of, uh, of quenching your thirst. What Peter is saying here is you continue to go to this, there will be nothing there. They offer nothing. Why would you go after that? True freedom isn't found in doing whatever you want. True freedom is found in trusting and relying and submitting to Christ. The one who has bought you, the one who has given his life for you, the one who has redeemed and saved you and is actually restoring you to a life of true, fulfilled humanity that is found in resting in him, in trusting in him, in following him. 
Peter says, beware of this false teaching. It'll only lead to your enslavement, regardless of what they're promising. And lastly, Peter points and shows us to beware of this false teaching because it encourages rebellion. Look in verse 15. Forsaking the right way, they've gone astray. As he continues down, he describes it in this way in verse 18. Uh, They have loud boasts of folly. Remember, we saw this a little bit when we were in Ecclesiastes uh, a couple of years ago. Wisdom is a life that's lived uh, following, trusting, resting, and depending on God. Listening to Him and orienting your life in the way that He designs and purposes and calls us to live. Folly is to reject that. It's foolish to disregard what God is doing. And what these false teachers are doing, the teaching that they are giving, they're boasting about the goodness of a life lived apart from God. But what Peter describes, and he says that what it actually is in verse 21, is that they have turned back from the holy commandment. What they're calling God's people to do, really, is just to rebel against their God. To rebel against their king. To rebel against the one who has given his life to redeem and save you. Does this sound familiar? This enticement, this questioning the goodness of the command giver, of seeking to lead astray God's people, it's it's the tactics of Satan. This is exactly what he was doing in the garden. Think of the goodness of God. Gave Adam and Eve all that they could want in the garden of Eden, all this good stuff. He just set one thing aside and said, I don't want you to eat over here. But the false teacher swarms his way in. And with enticing speech, he offers freedom to them. He offers freedom. The way to freedom is in rebellion. Don't trust God. He's trying to keep good things from you. You want to try and find true freedom? You want to really experience life? Avoid the holy commandment. Avoid how God is calling you to live. Avoid how he has revealed and what he has directly spoken to you. And what ended up happening? Enslavement. The fall. Death. The freedom that they were longing for and hoping for wasn't there. It was an empty, empty promise. Why would we doubt our God? We have trustworthy, reliable accounts of what he has spoken and said to us. Peter has told told us what we're reading in the scriptures is the word of God. Any teaching any person that calls what God says into question and that suggests to you that freedom and true life and happiness and significance will be found apart from his word, Peter says, do not listen. It'll lead to your destruction. Look to Jesus. Check all of the teaching that comes into your life, into your ears, into your mind, even if it's coming out of your own heart. Confirm it. Check it against the Word of God. We want to be those who are following Christ, submitting to the One who has given Himself for us. Beware. Run. Flee from these false teachers, Peter says. Do not listen to their false teaching. Listen only. 
the word of Christ. Listen only to the good commands of your Savior. Listen only to the one whose yoke actually is light and in whose service you find true freedom. Let's go to him in prayer. Jesus, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you that you are our God and our King and that you have come to deliver and save us. We thank you that, that your work to continue to, to, to protect your people wasn't something that ended on the cross, but even now you come to us speaking through your word. May we heed your warnings. May we hear the love and the goodness uh, in, your, in your words of caution to us. And may we look and hope and rest only in you. Amen.